Hey Dan Talks listeners, welcome to another episode of Dan Talks. I'm Dan Van Note, and this week I'm talking to the lovely Emily Lies, who is a hypnosis and brain training specialist in New York City. Their upcoming podcast, How to Like Your Life, a brain training podcast for mindset transformation, is linked in the description below. And Emily is so uh, insightful, wise, kind, and beautiful. I can't wait for you to hear everything she has to say. So without further ado, here is the beautiful, the wise, Emily Lies. Okay, Emily Lies. Mental health, mental wellness, habits, mindset. Um, is there a, a difference between health, like mental health and your mindset and your mood and your personality? Like, how do you parse out these things? Oh my gosh. Um, I think that these are all so interrelated to one another that you can't really separate each individual thing. You can't separate your physical health from your mental health. You can't separate your um, mindset from the way that your brain functions. It's all so deeply, deeply connected into who we are. And that ultimately forms our personality, in my opinion. I mean, I've, I've gone through so many different transformations in my life through my mindset, using my brain that has changed who I am and changed how my brain and body exist in the world. So yeah, they're all very connected, I think. Talk about your most significant transition. My most significant transition. Um, can you say more about that? And well, you said you've gone that? through many transitions. It's like we go from childhood to adulthood. We go from mm. a bitter person to a grateful person. People go from one gender to another, one sexuality oh to another. You know what I mean? Is there one that's yeah. like for me, I'm very like I was in the closet and then I was out, you know, like gay was my big, you know, BCAD. Did you have a similar <laughs> thing or no? Yeah. So that same. I mean, uh -huh. that's I am queer as well. So yep. that okay. was definitely a <laughs> yes. Hi. Um, hi. <laughs> yeah. So I think realizing that about myself was a big one. Um, honestly, I didn't know that I was queer until I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, it wasn't like a moment of coming out of the closet to the world as much as it was to myself, which was mm -hmm. a really huge transition. I think that kind of self-discovery um, does a lot for a person's sense of, I mean, sense of self in every capacity. I also learned last year that I'm autistic and I recently got diagnosed and that was a huge transition in reorienting who I am and why I am the way that I am and how I present in the world um, and and on my own and how I can best celebrate who I am um, as an individual. I think another big transition that I experienced, I guess it was kind of two in one. Um, I got very, very sick with severe chronic fatigue syndrome in college. Um, I studied musical theater. I wanted to be an actor, do the Broadway thing. Um, and I got very, very sick towards the end of my college career. And I had to sort of re-adapt and reorient to the idea that I might never get back on stage, which was a really huge one for my well-being, my sense of identity and my sense of purpose. And then, you know, flash forward years later, I discovered a brain training process that could help me fully recover. And so I went from having to kind of lose my identity as a performer, lose my identity as a storyteller to then be able to jump right back into that um, after healing and recovering. So a lot of big, a lot of big before and afters in my life. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm just hung up on musical theater and 
chronic fatigue like (laughs) (laughs) it's um you you really choose the two i mean not that you chose either really um were chosen for two things that really are kind of (laughs) <laughs> musical theater people oh, are the sure. most energetic like non-stop people ever and of course like that is what i mean do you think were you running at a certain pace in your life that you yeah. think you brought on okay because you're in new yeah. york you're oh on yeah stage, i crashed i mean uh-huh. yeah i didn't even get to new york at that point when i got sick i mean i was uh-huh. i was in college for okay. theater and so i had 8 a.m ballet class and then classes and rehearsals until two in the morning every day so no wonder my body shut down right so it's not um unrelated but it was a very big shift in having to readjust my lifestyle because i was so ingrained in that high energy excitement level of existing in my community and then i i couldn't i mean it got to a point where i i couldn't walk up a flight of stairs without being exhausted so my body was definitely telling me to slow down because you're in new york now right i am in new york now yes yeah because all your videos that's central park or prospect park who knows yeah it's central park (laughs) okay that's what i thought yeah um (laughs) again nice calm place to live right yeah my favorite part of new york city is the nature in central park if Uh that tells you anything so Uh What um what compelled you to start putting stuff on the internet? So, hmm. I I'll, I'll I'll move backwards a little bit. So when I recovered from my chronic illness, I became fascinated by brain training and the way that our brains can inform our minds and bodies and heal our minds and bodies and and I one of the biggest things that I found was that returning to the stage and returning to performing after I had learned all of these amazing mental tools, I was a better actor than I'd ever been before. I was more creative. I was more confident. I was more grounded in myself. And I just became obsessed with how this stuff works beyond helping people recover from chronic illness. Cause that's, that's not my wheelhouse, um, professionally. But so then I, I pursued, um, I pursued certifications in positive psychology, positive neuroplasticity, clinical hypnosis, and I just received my diploma for my master's degree in mind-body medicine. Um, Thank you. Uh, So I started becoming, you know, getting interested in this professionally, and I was kind of sharing tips and tricks here and there on my Instagram stories. And my best friend from growing up um, from elementary school sent me a text and said, hey, you should get on TikTok. It's not just people dancing. I think people would want to know how to help their brains. And so she kind of pushed me into doing it. I didn't expect, you know, anything to happen from it. And it it just blew up and it became a very big and amazing community of people who are looking to learn how to use their brains to help themselves more. And it's, yeah, it's kind of s- snowballed from there. One of your videos that I keep thinking about is that uh, like affirmations alone won't change how your brain works being like i need like being more positive is not gonna help (laughs) like you like like in terms of your subconscious it it works off of your experiences so you like need to have Mm. now you're the expert you need to have like positive experiences to feel more positive and like the work Mm -hmm. is like getting yourself into those scenarios as much as you can rather than like changing your attitude Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah, that, that you got it. You nailed it. So 
basically, you know, the, the work that I do is highly focused on the subconscious mind because the subconscious mm -hmm. takes up 95% of our brain function. So if we want to change parts that, of our that's lives, that's really we true. 95% is built in. Yeah, 95% is our subconscious minds, but that doesn't mean we can't change it. So we okay. can change the subconscious. <laughs> um, it's just, we have to approach it differently because the subconscious mind primarily learns from experiences more than words and thoughts. Our conscious mind is really where the thoughts and the affirmations and, and the self-talk lives, but that's only 5% of, mm -hmm. of our lives. If we mm -hmm. really want to change our habits and our beliefs and our mindsets, we need to really speak the, the language of the subconscious mind. And so, as you were saying, you know, affirmations don't work on their own, you know, in, in, for the most part, they do work for some people, but they scientifically, you know, aren't going to be as effective as giving ourselves experiences to communicate to our subconscious mind that something is changing. So for example, if let's say somebody wants to feel like they're enough, they want to feel like they're good enough. That's, a pretty blanket statement for what most of us want to feel, I think. Mm -hmm. So if I were to look at myself in the mirror every morning and say, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough. When I don't feel like I'm good enough, my brain's not actually going to believe that because I'm having experiences of doubting myself. That's the experience in my body. I have experiences of stress. I have experiences of of self-doubt and imposter syndrome or whatever. And so the the words aren't going to compute when I say I'm enough. But if I were to set an intention to notice every single moment in my day where I do feel a little bit enough and affirm it then and notice that experience as it's happening, then my subconscious mind actually gets evidence to start to believe it. Mm. And it's not that these experiences weren't happening before. It's just we're not noticing it. We're not putting our focused attention on it. And what we put our attention on is really what informs our experience. And then that can communicate it to the subconscious mind. So if I'm moving throughout my day, I could say, you know, I'm I'm good enough at talking about the brain right now in this podcast interview to, mm -hmm. you know, effectively communicate. I'm a good enough cook to make myself lunch. I am good enough to deserve love from my kittens when they snuggle on my lap. You know, I, we can mm -hmm. move throughout our days and really affirm the moments when it's true. And the more we do that, the more our brains are going to say, oh, yeah, we actually are enough because we've experienced it today. And mm -hmm. that can be... I mean, that's that's the difference. It's it's really allowing ourselves to feel it when it's happening rather than trying to force it when it's not happening. Do you think everybody, I mean, it, it's so funny that the default is always sort of negative or that there's like, it's so, mm -hmm. it's so much easier to notice ways that we're not measuring up or that things aren't working out versus like, Oh, the shower had hot water this morning. This is great. I like paid the rent and now there's hot water. This <laughs> is really nice. You only notice it when you don't have hot water in your house anymore. And you're like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. This, But so my question is like, how much of this is the human? Like are humans just sort of <laughs> like, I, I, I know I zero in on the thing that needs to change or that could be mm -hmm. better or that I could have done differently instead of noticing the 99% of things that are going well and that I've, I'm proud of. Is that a human thing or is that a Dan thing? Yes, that's a human thing. That's a human thing. So okay. that is not just you. It could be okay. a Dan thing too, but it's also yeah. an Emily thing. It's an everybody thing. Yeah. We are pre-wired with something called a negativity bias. Yes. Um, which essentially means that we, our brains are primed to zero in on and notice the negative experiences over the positive ones. Mm -hmm. And that used to 
protect us when we were living in caveman era, Mm -hmm. way, way back early human evolution, we had to prioritize focusing on the negative in order to survive. Because if we focused on, I don't know, if we had, if we found a patch of poisonous berries or something and somebody got sick from it, it was way more important for us to remember where those berries were over the person who made us laugh earlier in the day. Like we had to have that sense of weight and priority in the negative in order to survive. But our lifestyles have evolved so fast that our brains can't keep up. And so we still have this negativity bias and it's actually counterintuitive now. It's not serving us anymore and it's causing unnecessary stress. So this is why we're more likely to remember the jerk who cut us off in traffic over all of the drivers that were totally fine around us. This is Mm -hmm. why we are more likely to remember the one person who didn't text us happy birthday over all the people who celebrated with us. We Mm -hmm. have this natural tendency to bring our focus towards the negative experiences in our lives as a way to avoid more negative, but it's just counterintuitive now because that's, you know, the person who doesn't text us happy birthday is not the equivalent of like a bear in the woods or poisonous berries. It's not going to kill us. And so it's unnecessary now and it's causing us to experience chronic stress and worry and overwhelm and fear and self-doubt. And so that's, you know, it's kind of, that's what my job is to help people come out of that negativity bias and not, not towards a, a weight of positivity. We won't, we don't want toxic positivity, but we want to kind of even the playing field and balance things out so that we can see the negative and acknowledge when things aren't going our way, when when we don't have hot water, we have to be able to call our super or our landlord and get that fixed, right? But we also should be able to enjoy when we do have the hot water, enjoy the moments where things are working out for us. And so mm-hmm. we can use mental tools and experiential kinds of practices to communicate to our subconscious minds that, hey, there are good things happening as well. And that can bring us out of that bias and start to change the way that our brains perceive our lives so that we can like more of it. And the things we can do are like the gratitude journals. It's like the beginning of the day, end of the day. And then during the, like there's, I feel like there are two categories. There's like the ritual of Mm. doing something. And then there's also just like trying to move through a day and being aware of, you know, positive things or things that are working out. Is that fair that there are like Mm -hmm. sort of two kinds you can do like the, this is my gratitude time. And then also you can like, try to practice throughout the day? Yes. Yeah. So there's a couple, there's different approaches for sure. I highly recommend a gratitude journal. It takes 30 seconds. I've never done it. And I know Oprah says to do it. And I've thought about it since (laughs) I was 14 and I've never, there might've been one time I did, but it's just, I think how exhausting it's, but no, it's actually pretty fun. It's actually pretty fun. Um, and if you don't want to write it down, that's okay. You can just think about it as you're going to sleep. Um, but what I would recommend is in the morning, right when you wake up soon, as close to waking as possible, either in all the things you have to do that journal or in (laughs) think about all the things you're excited about in that day. (laughs) Think about all of the, I I would just say, think about three things that you're actually looking forward to in your day. And that Mm -hmm. could be really, really small. It could just Mm -hmm. be, I'm looking forward to the latte that I'm going to get this afternoon. I'm looking forward to the comfortable shirt that I'm planning on wearing. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to playing with my pets or something. Mm -hmm. It can be really small, but just taking time to acknowledge that there are good things that are coming in your future. Mm-hmm. And that can really shift how we feel when we wake up. So we don't wake up and immediately think about all the stuff we have yes, to do, right? right? It's training the brain to wake up and 
and be excited to live in our in the day today because that's all we have. You know, yesterday has already happened. Today hasn't happened or tomorrow hasn't happened yet. And so it helps us actually enjoy where we are now rather than waiting for other big circumstances to shift how we feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as we move throughout the day, when those good things happen, when things are going our way, when we do have hot water for a shower, when we have creamer in the fridge for our coffee, when somebody makes us laugh, when someone holds the door for us, if we put our attention on it and enjoy it more and focus on it and and allow ourselves to really acknowledge that this is a good moment, that can help to balance out the crap that we also have to face. Because of course, there's going to be hard stuff. Of course, you know, things are not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. But the more we put the priority and the focus on where things are in fact good for us, even if they're so small, that will help us enjoy more moments that we have. Um, And then in the evenings, I also highly recommend the gratitude journal again, writing down three things that went well or thinking about three things that went well. If you Mm -hmm. don't want to write it down, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be the things you wrote about in the morning, could be things that surprised you. It could be things that you completed that you're proud of. I also love to do this practice in conversation. My partner and I do this. Um, Before going to sleep, we ask each other, what were your wins today? And we celebrate it together. Mm -hmm. And that can amplify that experience too. So if you have a friend or a roommate or a family member or a partner that wants to be in this with you, I would totally recommend, you know, either texting your friend saying, what were your wins today? And just listing them out and give yourself space to celebrate it and celebrate Mm -hmm. what actually was good. We've talked a lot about small things during the day. Mm -hmm. What about the big things of where Mm -hmm. I live, what my job is, where I feel like I'm at for my age, like, and using, like, because some of those things are impetus, impiti? What's a plural for impetus? I have no idea. That sounds right. We'll go with it. Let's go with it. (laughs) For change and and healthy change many times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. But when, uh, talk a little bit about the big things. Cause like sometimes if you're really mm-hmm. unhappy and it is your job or it is where you live or it is the relationship you're in, like you should start working to change that. Yeah, I think that, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the biggest thing that I've learned in my life is that nothing has to be permanent. And so, you know, I, I was married in my early 20s and it was very toxic and and terrible. And I didn't realize that I had the option to divorce until my therapist <laughs> was like, you could leave him. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I could. Uh-huh. And then I did a week later. So, uh-huh. you know, it, it, <laughs> I had a job a story once and, I, and I said, I wish they would fire me. And she said, have you thought about quitting? <laughs> quitting. <laughs> right. So sometimes, you know, we have to remember we can leave. Yeah. We can leave we can change things and it's hard. And so I think that the biggest thing to help ourselves navigate those, those big challenging moments is to find, I mean, I'm going to bring it back to the little things, bring, bring yourself back to where you are right now and focus on the things that help you feel safe and secure in the moment. And that could just be enjoying snuggling with your kittens. It could be enjoying the latte that you have in your day and really allow yourself to ground into a sense of safety and security because the safer we feel in our nervous systems and in our in our minds, the easier it is to actually make that leap, to leave that 
you know, crappy husband or leave that job that you don't like, right? And mm -hmm. if we feel more secure in our bodies, we are more able to feel like we're we're capable of change um, because our brains fear the unknown when we are in a stress cycle. If we are feeling overwhelmed, we're way less likely to create change. And so if we're able to find things that can help us regulate or find things that can help us feel calm, as calm as we can in a difficult situation, it's easier for us to, to harness that agency that we always have. Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering, I, I have a partner who I love deeply. And I think I, sometimes I don't think about it too much because I start crying because I love him so much. Mm hmm so thinking about the big, I'm transitioning from big things that are bad to big things that are good. It's sort mm, of like, yeah, yeah. It's it's also hard to lean in sometimes to the like, gushy, good. Like, I'm so happy with this mm. person that it's sort of hard to think about. Do you, yeah. I mean? Do you feel like is there? But but I imagine it's healthy to feel those things or like think about that. Yeah, make it big. Make the uh -huh. feelings big. Uh -huh. I think we have a, I think the reason we resist them is because we fear losing that experience or, right. you know, we have a fear that it's, it's going to go away at some point. Right. But like I said before, yesterday ha has already happened and tomorrow has not happened yet. And so if we have that big, amazing, gushy feeling of just overwhelming gratitude, that's the time to lean into it. Mm -hmm. And you know, tears are a good thing mm -hmm. in our bodies, in our minds. And if we feel emotional, I think, I think a lot of people associate tears and, um, and crying as a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And we associate it with like something being wrong, but mm -hmm. it's often an indication that something is very, very right mm -hmm. because crying regulates our nervous systems. It literally moves cortisol out of our bodies through our tears. And so when we feel that huge, overwhelming gratitude for something, that's an indication that our bodies feel safe enough to release the crap that we're holding on to. Mm -hmm. And so if we lean into the good, big, positive, overwhelming stuff, then that can help us feel more secure and and more, um, I don't know, and just, and just more appreciative of what we have because we we only have this moment right now. Mm -hmm. And so why not enjoy it? Well, and you make the space for people to do what I'm doing right now, which is like start to cry. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. Do, it's, do you, it's a really, do really you, good thing. Do you find that you have that effect on people? <laughs> that I think they so. feel safe around you? <laughs> I, I <think> mean, so. <laughs> well, and yeah. I think this is a great time to bring up that you're going to launch your own podcast soon how yes. to like your life a brain training podcast for mindset transformation um you already have a beautiful microphone a beautiful voice a beautiful message you may you've made <laughs> me cry and i'm supposed to ask the question <laughs> <laughs> um tell me more oh about your vision for the pod and like what space you want to create yeah so i think that there's a lot of conversations out there about, about mental health, about theories, about these big ideas um, that we're talking about here. And I don't think there's enough out there that gives people something to do with it. It's like mm -hmm. we, we, we bring up, we stir up all this stuff mm -hmm. and then we don't have something to do with it. We don't know how to resolve it, how to work through it. You know, 
we might talk about like, I don't know, people say, do it scared, go do the thing scared, but people will hear that and they'll be like, okay, now how, how do I do that? How do I, how do I embrace fear? You know, uh, I'm not doing the best job of explaining this, but there, there's well, a lot of ideas. you're off the toilet and off Instagram, you're like, I guess I'm back to myself. Like you instantly forget right. the motivational quote that you just read. Right, exactly. So our, our brains learn from experience and that's the core of everything that I do. And so in my podcast, we're going to talk about these big ideas and, and small moments too. You know, we're going to talk about life and then I will offer tools and people will walk away with actual tangible practices that they can implement into their daily lives to help them like more of their life. You know, I call I call it how to like your life with an emphasis on the how, because we all want to like more of our lives and like more of ourselves. And we read self-help books for years and years and years, but then we still don't take action on it. We still, we're still not having those experiences. And so um, in every episode, it's going to be solo episodes for the first season. And every episode, I'm going to really delve into the stuff that I talk about on my social media all the time, but in a, in a much deeper dive, really leaning into the science behind this stuff as well. Because I think that's also really important to understand, like, there is science to back up a gratitude practice. There is science to back up hypnosis. So we'll delve into that stuff. We'll nerd out, nerd out about it. And then the second half of every episode, I'm going to walk people through practices and suggested brain training, visualization, hypnosis, gratitude type tools that people can use and implement that day so that they can like more of their lives the day they listen to the podcast. Um, I'm also planning on launching a Patreon alongside of the podcast where people can subscribe and get access to a little mini handbook with every episode. So you're not just going to listen to it, you know, get off the toilet, get off Instagram and forget about it. You can download a handbook that explains everything that we talk about and has an outline of the daily practices, has journal prompts for you to implement these things. Because I think the most important thing is that we take action on the ideas that we talk about all the time and that we change our experiences so that we can like our lives. And something I think that you talk about that's so important is that you're you are not the picture of happy, healthy, whole, perfect living yourself. And that it's not like yeah. let me teach you how to have a life like mine. It's mm -hmm. that you've gone through these experiences that have given you and had this education that's given you this insight that you want to share with people. It's yes. not a didactic sort of like there's not going to be um, a big expose on actually your life is in shambles and you're this like self-help person, you know, like yeah. there's, you're not a, I, I appreciate your own vulnerability in having up mm. and down days. Yeah. And we're all going to, you know, I, I think that most people who get into the self-help wellness space do it because they need it most, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> I got into this work because I literally could not get out of bed for two years. And mm -hmm. I, you know, because of my chronic illness and I happened to acquire and learn all of these tools, but that does not mean I'm any less human. Um, it does not mean I don't have a full range of human emotions and days. I feel like crap sometimes. I cry you know it's not it's not this before and after picture that a lot of people like to package this work as online mm -hmm. because 
no matter what amount of tools we acquire, life is still going to happen. Challenges are still going to come into our lives. And so all we can do is continue to engage in things that help us feel as good as possible and like as much of our lives as we can. And yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really essential that people know that I am not <laughs> I'm not the face of like happy, calm all the time. You know, I just learned that I'm autistic and I, you know, I deal with overstimulation. I deal with social anxiety. Like I'm not, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going along this ride together and I'm going to also share personal stories about things that I've dealt with and things that I am dealing with and how I'm navigating them um, and how I'm showing up with using the tools that I share with all of my followers. And so I also think it's important to recognize that that there isn't like an end result to brain training. It's not like you do it for a certain amount of time and then you're done. You know, if you, it's just like physical training. If you want to become strong, if you go to the gym every day for six months, you'll be really, really strong. You'll have a lot of stamina. You'll have a lot of strength. But if you stop and you don't go back to the gym for a year and then you try again, like you're not going to have that same stamina and strength. We have to continue to show up and train our brains in the way that we train our bodies because life's going to happen. Experiences are going to happen. And all we can do is be the most res as resilient as we can so that we can deal with the hard stuff and then come back to the good stuff as well. Really briefly, hypnosis app. Yes. It's not just a spinning black and white wheel. No, it's not. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I suspected it wasn't. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm also launching a hypnosis app called Doddle, D-O-D-D-L-E, um, in the indefinite short-term future. I don't have a set launch date, but I'm hoping before the holidays. Mm -hmm. um, I'm building it myself. So mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll see how I can navigate the noise of New York City and finishing recording these practices. But mm -hmm. it's going to be a collection of, of guided clinical hypnosis practices. Um, I am trained in clinical hypnosis, not the spinny, you know, spiral or whatever you think of when a pocket watch, you know. Um, I think there's a really big difference between stage hypnosis and clinical hypnosis. They are both very powerful tools to offer suggestions, but in clinical hypnosis, it is a practice and a and a system of or of strategies to help you open up your own subconscious mind to make changes in your own mind. So in a hypnosis session with me, it's my job to offer suggestions to help you calm your mind and body, to introduce imagery, to relax your nervous system, to access a certain emotion, but you have full ability to accept or reject any suggestion that's offered. Mm -hmm. So if I were to say to you, Dan, take a deep breath, you don't have to do that. You could choose not to in this moment, right? The same is true in hypnosis. And so it's a really amazing collaborative process where I will offer suggestions based on the, the theme of the practice. And you will get to create the experience that you want to have, the experience that can help you. And remember, the subconscious learns from experience. So this is a, uh, an app that can really help you communicate directly with that part of your mind for a wide variety of goals. So there will be practices for relaxation and stress. There will be ones for accessing joy, for motivation, for procrastination, for um, 
There will be some short practices for when people are experiencing panic. There will be practices for gratitude and mind-body healing. There's there's so much. Um, and so that will be coming out very soon, and I will definitely be announcing that. But I'm really excited to bring hypnosis to the world because I think not a lot of people know just how amazing it can be. I think a lot of people picture the pocket watch going back and forth, and they don't really understand anything beyond that. I didn't before I trained in it, you know, <laughs> but um, it's the most powerful tool I have learned in my entire life. And so I'm really excited to share it. I'm excited for the podcast. I'm excited for the app. Thank you yes. so much for your work, Emily. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you.